At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. guys who run these organizations who talk about analytics, they have one thing in common. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get the game. Welcome to Vsense Hardwood Handicappers. As you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? Now, geek. now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome in second hour hardwood handicappers here on Visa, the sports betting network. Good hour on tap coming up 15 minutes from now. William Hill will be with us. Get his thoughts on how he's handling this game seven between Miami and Boston. Now, before we get to some player props, because uh, we are going to get through some of the numbers, uh, find some angles to get to There's some pretty interesting ones. Want to get to the breaking news. Uh, all hands on deck. That is uh, the words that are being used by Eric Spolstra, Miami Heat head coach. Tyler Hero is set to play. The official designation is warming up with the intent to play, which I think Miami leads the league in at this point. So Tyler Hero is going to be out there. So, of course, the betting market moving solidly in the direction of the Miami Heat. No, not the case. Still sitting at three across the board uh, with a total now. This is where the impact is on a guy like Tyler Hero. 198 and a half is the highest that we're seeing on the board right now. That would be at the South Point where Vinny Mayulo resides. And uh, Tyler Hero does impact the total. It makes a lot of sense that he would impact the total. Hero on his own, uh, if you look at him as a player, of course. Um, not a very good defender. He's probably going to be a little bit of a liability on that end of the floor. We've seen it, in fact, multiple times. And uh, when he's out there, Boston probably going to go after him, hunt him a little bit in some of those possessions to get some offense going. Uh, but on the flip side, offensively, he provides a very good spark for a Miami Heat team that has been desperately looking for a secondary shot creator outside uh, of one Jimmy Butler. It's been a little bit of a problem finding some half-court offense outside of Jimmy hitting heavily contested shots. And at times, the way that the Boston Celtics have been guarding Hero and the Heat uh, have been using a lot of drop coverage, and Hero can work really well against the drop, against the uh, Boston Celtics specifically. He's done. He's had some pretty good moments against their drop coverage when they roll it out there. So with that, we're seeing the total get impacted. Still not the side, though. And I, to me, it's, again, to kind of reemphasize what we were talking about at the top of the hour, uh, last hour, that is. It is wild to me. Uh, to see the overwhelming support for the Boston Celtics. And again, coming from somebody who does uh, think that the Celtics are the best te team left in the NBA. So with that, let's talk about some player props. And <clears throat> forewarning here uh, that I will be a little boring when it comes to player props, especially when it comes like point total stuff. We tend to, when it comes to player props, um, realize that it's it's a little overbaked, a little, a little inflated, some of the point totals on some of the star players, as we know. And so a guy like Jimmy Butler, for example, 27 and a half is his point total at some spots, uh, 28 and a half in others. 
It is wild how high that is. And I get it. Last time out, we saw him score the 47. He was absolutely incredible. But he's been so hit or miss in this series, right? He's averaging 24 points, but he's got three games of 13 or fewer points and three games of 29 or more points, two of them being 40-point performances. So it just goes like for every number Jimmy Butler has. You know, Do I want to bet over 28 and a half, 27 and a half, some spots, and maybe even lay a price of minus 110, minus 115? When again, too, and th- this is the other part you always have to realize with these, right? The market's telling you that there are going, that the total is set at 197 and a half right now, 198 and a half. And so Jimmy Butler, his point total prop is sitting at 28 and a half. That's a large chunk of the point total prop that, that is up there that is part of the grand total. Like Jimmy Butler, we're talking about a game seven that is going to be slow paced with very few possessions and just betting some of these inflated point totals over it, it. To me, it's just a really hard thing to ask to do. So for Jimmy, it's not just his point totals. It's a lot of it. Assists, for example, he's his assist prop right now is set at four and a half in most spots. He surpassed four and a half just twice this series, and he's averaged 3.8 throughout the six games. And as we mentioned, the other guys around him are struggling. Kyle Lowry, he's not playing very well. Uh, when we'll get to some props for him, there's an intriguing angle there. But Max Struess, not very, playing particularly well. Bam Adebayo, not playing particularly well. Jimmy Butler has had to create an isolation most of this series. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you just wonder if from the like asking him to go over four and a half assists or go over the point total. It just seems like a lot in that grand scheme of things. So I think really out of the two, if we're talking about points for Jimmy Butler or assists for Jimmy Butler, under assists, uh, four and a half, really stuck out to me. Given the nature of the game that we're probably going to get, given how his teammates have played in this series, to me it just seems like a stronger bet to go under his assist total for this game of about four and a half as opposed to going over like a point total or something. And when you look at some other players, right? Should be said of Adebayo. He's only scored over 10 points just twice in this series. He's clearly been deterred by Robert Williams. His point total prop sitting at 14 and a half. But Adebayo has shown if you just, not even just this series, for example, you go back to the first series against uh, the, or excuse me, the second series against the Philadelphia 76ers. What happens in the first two games in Miami? Bam Adebayo decimates the Philadelphia 76ers. Has over 20, well over 20 points in each one of the first two games. Looks like he's the best player on the floor. But what happens? Joel Embiid comes back. And all of a sudden, the production drops off for Bam Adebayo, and he's not the same guy that he was in the first two games. The same thing can be said of this series. Robert Williams has played him very well. In other possessions, like the Celtics are not afraid to switch smaller guys on him. We've seen Grant Williams defend him and him kind of shrink away from the moment. We did get the really good Bam Adebayo game in game three, but that was clearly the outlier as opposed to what we've seen from Adebayo throughout this entire series and throughout this postseason. So do you want to go over for him in terms of points? Probably not for Bam Adebayo, which means you look some look somewhere else. And we're we're going through the the Miami Heat players right now, but there's some interesting angles when it comes to the Celtics players uh, as well. But how about this for Kyle Lowry? This is what stuck out to me: one and a half three pointers made for Lowry. While he's not shooting at an overwhelming clip in terms of percentage in this series, Lowry's still averaging six attempts from beyond the arc per game. So we know the volume is going to be there, and if he hits two. Uh, well, then we're just talking about we need him to shoot 33 per th- uh, 33.3% from three-point range. We know he's a better three-point shooter than that to surpass a total like this. So for me, looking at a guy like Lowry going over his uh, three-pointers made prop, that's somewhere where I think you're kind of circling and looking for, hey, you know what, that's potentially something to be looking at here. Now, the market, now this is the important part about these props. You always got to check the prices. 
The market has moved in that direction too, and that's as high as minus 185. But that's a prop where minus 185, the juice is probably out too far ahead for me at least to play something like that. But the market responding in that direction at least tells me that I'm on the right track with a prop like that. I think Lowry going over his May three-pointers prop is something to look at as well. So like under Jimmy Butler assists, over Kyle Lowry, three-pointers made. I think those are two sound paths to take. Something else that kind of tempted me too was P.J. Tucker, right? P.J. Tucker, if you look at both points and three-pointers made, it was kind of a tempting total for him. Uh, in terms of points, seven and a half at most shops, three-pointers made, just one and a half. Um, but what really stuck out, because like, you know, if you're looking at really like, like for example, for P.J. Tucker, um, um, this, the scoring in this series. Sorry, I lost my place in my notes. Um, when you look at it from the scoring standpoint of this series, again, lower scoring, he's going to have to be incredibly efficient if we're talking about fewer attempts, fewer possessions. He's really going to have to make the most of it. I don't, I don't know if I want to trust him there. And what also stuck out was the rebounding prop. If you're talking about his rebound prop at five and a half is where it's at for most spots. He's pulled down six or more rebounds in three games. He's averaging six for the series. But again, I kind of go back to the same talking point here, which is in a slow paced, low scoring game like this one, where possessions are sure to be at a premium, are the rebounds going to be available to him to go over that prop? So like there are three things, points, three pointers made and rebounds for PJ Tucker that kind of seemed tempting to me, but ultimately wanted to wave him off in that one. And like Max Struess as well, this is one where I think is pretty intriguing. His assist prop is interesting because it's actually below what he's averaged in this series. He's averaging 1.8 assists per game in this series. His point total or assist, excuse me, assist total is at one and a half. He has totaled exactly two assists in every game of this series, but one. So you would look at that and go, well, of course he's going to go over that. But think about when Struce is going to have the ball in his hands. He's not going to run offensive sets. He's not the point guard. He's going to be out there along with Kyle Lowry. Most of the times when Struess is getting the ball in his hands, it is to score. It is a catch-and-shoot opportunity. It is a cut to the basket. It is going to be an opportunity which I think he's going to try to score as opposed to try to facilitate. Now, we've seen him with the ability to facilitate, thus, you know, the, all of the games but one with two or more assists. But I think in a game like this, we're talking about this low-scoring Game 7 elimination setting, under on the assist for Max Struess was something that really stuck out to me. So under on the assist for Butler, under on the assist for Struess, and uh, over on the three-pointers made for Lowry were three heat-centric angles from a point from a player prop standpoint that stuck out. Now, for Boston, immediately my eyes went to Derek White because I thought this was pretty surprising. If you look at Derek White's point total prop, we're talking about eight and a half at most shops, and it's heavily shaded to the over. But when you look at the way that they have changed to hit the game plan with a Derek White, he has surpassed that point total in each of the last three games, and by a mile. We're talking about 13, 14, and 22 points. It seems that the game plan for Boston has been adjusted to get White more involved. He's att he attempted just six field goals in the first two games. And remember, game one and game three, he missed game two. Uh, and he put up 36 attempts total in the last three. So White all of a sudden has become much more aggressive, probably because he had a child, right? Uh, we saw that happen to Fred Van Vliet. Uh, was it the Eastern Conference Finals or at the NBA Finals, uh, which Fred Van Vliet went nuts after having a kid? But regardless, and with White, not only is the point total prop much lower than what we've seen him do over the last three games, but the market shaded to the over of only a buck 30 at 56.5% implied probability that out of all of these Derek white going over his point total prop to me uh, was the one that I think I put at the top of the list. We can go down the list with the others Tatum. His point total is pretty crazy. When you're talking about averaging to 24.8 for the series and asking him to go over 28 and a half in a low scoring game like this Brown's total is pretty wild high as well, but at least on the under is the favored side. And I thought, if you're looking at Brown to go over his point total prop, which is like, what are we talking about with 23 and a half, 24 and a half? I think your better option 
is to bet him going over his three points, three pointers made as opposed to points. Because if he's going is over his point total prop. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. He's going over his three-pointers made prop because it's only at two and a half. His three-point shooting has been how he's been getting a majority of his scoring in this series. And I think it'd be a pretty interesting angle to look at it from that perspective. But outside of this, I mean, there's a lot of different angles from a point total perspective or excuse me, in like a like a three-pointer attempts or excuse me, made for Grant Williams. But I think those are the angles that are worth looking at. So we'll come back to this because I think there's also we haven't done, like gotten into the market of Eastern Conference Finals or NBA Finals MVP. And the Eastern Conference Finals MVP is pretty fascinating if the Celtics win. Because there's a case to be made for a lot of dudes coming into Game 7. And depending on how those playoff uh, performances play out, then we'll see who wins it in that one. When we come back, William Hill, host, New York City cast, to be with us. Get his thoughts on how he's handicapping Game 7 and how he'll look at a series between either Golden State and Boston or Golden State and Miami. Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. This segment of Hardwood Handicappers brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. Zen Nicotine Pouches, smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties, and they come in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Meaning it's never been easier to find your Zin. So go to Zin.com slash find, locate a store near you. Product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. We welcome in William Hill, host of the New York City cast, VEASAN contributor at not the Will Hill up on Twitter. Before we get into the uh, the basketball, I was just uh, griping off the air, Will. Uh, what, what's the damage? What happened to my halos? It was 9-6, but uh, it, it is no longer 9-6. It's 9-9. But, hey, you were down 6-2, to two and you guys bombed Barrios. Barrios has been terrible for Toronto this yes, year. I saw that number move to, like, plus 135 on Toronto. I was like, boy, that's a, that's a hefty price. But I guess Guerrero was sitting. That's probably part of the reason. But 9-9, it's been, uh, been a little bit, a bit of a slow-pitch softball game. So it's been a fun game, 9-9, bottom of the seventh right now. And I just saw Burns won that tournament. What were the odds on Burns? Because he came from way back. Do you know what he was pre-tournament? I do not. He's 30 to one all the time too. Yeah. I bet him all the time too, except not this week. Frustrating. Now 30 to one is what Elliot, uh, our producer tells me in my ear. So wow. good hit there. You said humans had him. No, I'm saying I, I bet him very frequently for that. Whatever the reason this week, I, I didn't have him. I think I need a little break after meet prayer last week, but uh, I guess he won it in a playoff. That was a hell of a tournament. Cause there was like four guys tied, you know, 10th, 11th hole. So that was uh, a good tournament. I thought Scheffler was going to win. 
I, uh, I just pulled a mic, Francesa, talking to somebody who uh, does not have a mic and is off the air. I was talking to Elliot, I guess. Uh, no, Matt Eumanns apparently <laughs> did have uh, burdens in this one. So, okay. Right. Hey, look, at, there's the tie-in, Will. New York, Francesa, there we go. That's why we have you on. Uh, a man I strive to be. Uh, game seven. So we get the word uh, that Tyler Hero is going to play. Uh, Spolstra uses the quote, all hands on deck. I will open up with this with you. So I am very much, and I've said this for a while, I think the Celtics are the best team left in the NBA right now. However, that is to a point. I am very much surprised that the market continues hand over fist to bet this team, it seems, on a game-to-game basis against Miami. Do you think that three on the road in elimination game setting is a little high here for Boston? Yeah, but I, I echo your sentiments. And again, you can get some, I don't know what the cheapest money line out is out there. Maybe you're just better off. I think $1.40, there are $1.45s available. That's where I went. I, I bet Boston. I think they're the better team. Home court hasn't meant a whole lot in this series. Remember, Miami won game one at home. Since then, the road teams are four and one. So it's certainly been a wonky series. If you, was, if you told me Friday afternoon, hey, we're going to have a game seven on Sunday, I would have just been absolutely floored. I'm shocked Miami won the game. Once Boston went ahead, I'm shocked Miami came back. Lowry hit that huge three. Brown missed the free throws. That being said, I just think Boston's still better. Uh, I thought Boston had some issues the other day. I thought getting into foul trouble was big because they were playing some of those lineups with Marcus Smart, Derek White, Robert Williams. That's just not a lot of shooting. It's not a lot of spacing. And Miami was really able to sort of pressure Tatum and Brown. And um, yeah, I, I think Boston wins a close game. I don't know about the over-under here. I think you know, I grabbed some 199s right away. I played a little over 195, just hoping for a middle, just because yeah. I, I think we see the same thing with the total where it opens one number, then all the trends, people realize, oh, it's a game seven, and then the under gets bet. So don't have a, a big opinion on that one. I was expecting a lower scoring, you know, scrappier early 2000s type of series. We really haven't gotten that, whether it's pushing the pace, some good shooting. Uh, these teams have, have scored better, shot better than, than I really kind of expected. But I do think Boston probably wins a close game here. Yeah, I was citing that at the beginning of the show. Uh, four of the six games have gone over the total, and the four games that have gone over, they've gone over by an average of about 15 points. So uh, these have uh, these have been higher scoring than the market has uh, assumed. And I wanted to hit on one point that you brought up, and we shared a couple of tweets real quick uh, on, on Friday night. So I, I've been I've been kind of invoking these issues for Boston in clutch time, right? In the regular season, I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that they were 26th in clutch time net rating. So game within five points, last five minutes, uh, they were outscored by 9.5 points per 100 possessions in those minutes, and that was because their offense was so bad. They only had an offense rating of 97.7. And, and while we haven't had a lot a lot of clutch minutes in this series between these two, will we've had two games like that. Boston has lost both of those games, and you've kind of seen it, right? Like you've seen the way the offense, you mentioned those weird lineups, kind of gets a little stagnant. The turnovers start to rise here a little bit. Like Boston kind of consistently shoots itself in the foot, and while I think they should win this game, those little things really worry me about when we're talking about a game seven that seems to be pretty tight on paper. Yeah, and on the road, I mean, you're really going to win three games on the road in one series. That's going to be difficult, uh, and you're right. I, the clutch minutes have been an issue They've had so many blowouts. You know, the, the Celtics fan, the Celtics supporters say, you know, we have so many blowouts. We don't play that many close games. That's why our numbers are a little skewed. There's probably some truth to that. But like you said, it's a little like Gonzaga in college basketball. They just, you know, they all year they play Pepperdine and they play, you know, Santa Clara. Then they get in the tournament and they look up and, you know, they play a 16 seed, then an 8 seed. Then all of a sudden they're playing Arkansas and they're in a tough game and they don't always respond to that. So I, I do think there's an element of concern there with uh with the clutch time minutes with Boston. So. Yeah, I think I think you bring up a good point. What what plays do you have on this? I know you got some outstanding futures, so you just sitting this one out. Yeah, I'm pretty much just sitting this out. Like I, I like I have I got outstanding futures on both Miami and Boston, so I just want to see how this goes. Maybe in game, see if there's an angle to play. Uh, but I was boring here. I'm going to play it safe and get one of my tickets on to the NBA Finals. Not bad. What did you think? I gave this out this morning. 
Uh, and I don't know, these markets are, are here and there. They're not everywhere. Jalen Brown, 12 to one to win conference finals MVP. So, Tatum's been a little better. I don't know that. I, I think it's pretty open, you know, up in the air. If Brown has a big game, you know, Tatum's had bad moments in this series. I just, I don't know that he's going to win it. I, you know, if, if Boston wins, they'll probably give it to Tatum. I just think that number is a little mispriced. I think there is some value on Brown. Would you agree with that or no? I, I completely agree with it. And that's one of the questions I was going to ask you, because if you look at it just from the consistency standpoint, I mean, Brown's been consistently pretty good and their numbers are comparable to one another. And the biggest difference between the two is that one of them is shooting 41% from three on seven attempts per game. And it's not Jason Tatum. Uh, it's Jalen Brown. I think the price is more indicative of the name that is Jason Tatum at this point right now. It's pretty clear. We know who's going to win it if it's going to be Miami. It's Jimmy Butler. There's no case to be made for anybody other than Jimmy Butler on the Miami Heat. But you're telling me Jalen Brown in the range of 10 to 12 to 1? Hell, I think I can make the case, Will, if he comes out and has a dominant defensive game, that Robert Williams at 200 to 1 could potentially win this Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Yeah, and again, with these awards, you're betting on human beings as much as you're betting on anything else. But yep. Yeah, I agree. I think this this price is uh it's a misprice here on Tatum being such a heavy favorite because you know he's really had some some questionable moments here in this series, especially with the turnovers. You know, Brown's had plenty of his too, and they both you know struggle, especially Brown with the dribble sometimes. And like I said, Brown missed those free throws, but to me, twelve to one is a is a pretty good number. Yeah, and I'll ask you. So this is this is my theory. I'll get your thoughts on it. So my theory was that for conference finals, now that we're going to have these MVPs. Um, that maybe, just maybe, you're going to get some nuance in the voting here, that a lot of the people that are voting on this award are potentially beat writers who have followed the team since day one, have a little bit more hyper-focused in, in, um, analyzing of the games, right, that are being played in front of them, that it's not just national member checking in, voting for best player on best team, because Curry absolutely deserved to win Western Conference Finals MVP, but I think that does open the door even more for a Jalen Brown to win this as opposed to a Jason Tatum because you're getting folks who have been covering these teams for a while that are potentially voting on these awards as opposed to a Kendrick Perkins coming in and voting because he just got to get there for the MVP. Yeah, it's a good point. It's uh, that's that's a really good point, I think. Plus, it's it's a conference finals MVP, so it's not as it's not going to be as scrutinized. Right. If you vote. Oh, Brown, you both some other guy. Nobody's going to be sitting here. They're not going to be talking about it on first take tomorrow. You know, who should have won conference finals MVP? I think we care about it as better as maybe than anyone else. It's, it's a new award. It's fun that they added it. It's something else to debate, something else to bet on. So I think it's a lot of fun. But again, I don't think it's going to be as scrutinized as the finals MVP. And hell, we talk, we still talk about Iguodala winning it, you know, seven, eight years ago when, you know, should Curry have won it? Should LeBron have won it on a losing team? Forget what podcast I was listening to the other day where that's rehashed. That You're not going to have this, you know, eight years from now, we're not going to be talking about, hey, did Jalen Brown deserve conference finals MVP or Tatum? We're not going to have that. So I agree. It, you know, leaves up more room for uh, for interpretation, I would think. By the way, there's not been to be a shot at Kendrick Perkins, you know, even though his all-rookie ballot was a little weird. All right, uh, really quickly, last two and a half minutes, two minutes here with Will. Um, Golden State Warriors, they're waiting for whoever it's going to be. I'm in the camp of Boston matches up better with Golden State. If if it's Boston-Golden State, I think they win it. If it's Golden State-Miami, and the, I think that the Golden State Warriors match up pretty well with the Heat, and they're going to win that one as well. Uh, but what do you make of these two potential finals matchups that we're going to see? And would you have a favorite lean either way? Yeah, I would think Warriors in five or six if it's Miami. I'll still go Warriors in seven if it's Boston just because they have game one at home. They have game seven at home. But you make a good point. You know, Boston's played very well against these Golden State teams. Even the prime, you know, Steph, Clay, Durant teams, that Boston's done very well in those series. Uh, so that would be a hell of a series. I think the NBA is probably rooting for a Warriors-Celtics final. You get, oh, yeah. obviously, you got Curry in there already, but you got the Celtics, their tradition. You got Tatum. Uh, they haven't, you know, one title in, in the last 30-something years. So, that would be a hell of a storyline. Give the Warriors credit, though. Not very often do you get to see a dynasty that, 
you know, they, they win a few titles, they get knocked off, miss the playoffs, then they bounce back and have a chance to compete for another title. So this is impressive by the Warriors to sort of rejigger this roster and be in position uh, to win another championship. And uh, that being said, Golden uh, Boston tonight, I think there's a lot of pressure. Fourth conference yeah. final last six years. You know, 2018, they're up 2 nothing. They lose game seven at home. All right, they're young. 2017, they got buried. They weren't the better team. But 2020, they're in the bubble. They, they were favored. They lose that series. You know, this year, they're up 3-2. They're a nine-point favorite in game six. This would be a terrible loss and, and I think a missed opportunity if they don't close this out tonight because these windows close in sports. You know, it, Embiid's still in the East. Giannis, Durant. You know, the circus doesn't stay in town forever. You don't. You only have so many chances to win these championships. Uh, look at the Utah Jazz. It looked like that window yeah. was going to be open for a while. Look dominant. Now, that seems to be shut at this point right now. Not the Will Hill is where you can find him on Twitter. Will, always good to talk to you. Plug it up. Uh, everything you find, New York City Cast website. What do you got going on? VEASAN.com slash podcast. Just had Mike West, a former Jets special teams coach. He was awesome. He had a lot to say about a lot of things. So check that one out. And uh, I'll be rooting for your angels. Hopefully they, they took a lead for you. Me too. Hey, good, good to talk to you, man. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it, man. See ya. You got it. Oh, it's 10 to 9, by the way. We'll be back here on Hardwood Handicap. Welcome to VEASAN's Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. All right, welcome back in. It is Hardwood Handicappers here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. Coming up at 15, Daniel Alvari will be with us to get our weekly look at the WNBA and I uh, think there might be a future worth playing at the top of the board in the uh, Women's National Basketball Association, but we'll get Danielle's thoughts on that coming up in a little bit. All right, a lot to get to in the next 10 or so, so let's get right to it. First off, Eastern Conference Finals MVP. That market is up now, and I think it's a pretty fascinating market. You know, we were talking about this with uh, William Hill, who just joined us a couple of minutes ago, and I really do think when you're talking about the way this market is priced, Jason Tatum, the odds-on favorite, minus 115. Behind him, Jimmy Butler, at plus 110. Jalen Brown at 12 to 1. Then you get into the triple digits. Bam at a bio, Al Horford, both 150 to 1. Marcus Smart, 250 to 1. Onward and onward. You can get Robert Williams at 201 in some spots. Can I tempt you with Victor Oladipo at 500 to 1, huh? No, uh, you shouldn't be. So, really, this comes down to a couple of things. For Miami, uh, there is no question. Do not try it. It is Jimmy Butler who is going to win this. If Miami wins this game, Jimmy Butler could come out score zero points, go 0 of 15 from the floor, and they still somehow win, Jimmy Butler is going to win Eastern Conference Finals MVP. There's no question about that in any way, shape, or form. So Miami wins, it's Jimmy Butler, that's it. Now, the other part of this is, who wins it if it is the Boston Celtics? And there's a lot of options for the Boston Celtics. Obviously, there's the odds-on favorite, who is Jason Tatum. There is Jalen Brown, who we talked about with William Hill, and I think those are obviously where you begin this thing, mainly because the odds dictate it. But I think when you're talking about this market, it is the play at this point, just like it was before game six, it was going to be Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown has been really good in this series. Yes, he had the 12-point stinker against Miami in game four, and he only played 29 minutes and was 5 of 20 from the floor. But he's averaging 24.2 points per game. He is shooting 41% from three in this series to go along with 7.3 rebounds and just under a full steal per game. Jason Tatum on the other end, his numbers are comparable to what Jalen Brown has been doing, but he's been a little less efficient, especially from three-point range, averaging essentially the exact same amount of points, 24.8, on 48.4% shooting from the floor, but 33.3% shooting from three. What this just comes down to at this point right now is who's going to have the better game in game seven. But here's the thing. If it comes down to just who's going to have the better game in game seven, should one of the guys be the odds-on favor to do this? Because I don't think that's the case. I think this is a coin flip at this point right now. So 
If that is the case, there is immense value on a Jalen Brown to win this award in the range of that 12 to one that we're talking about here. That's a really good price on the guy who has numbers comparable to the dude who is the odds on favor to win this award in Jason Tatum. So for me, the value play there, no question about it, would be Jalen Brown to win this thing in the range of 12 to one. Now, a couple of a couple of days ago, before Game Six, I think there was a really strong case to be made for a Robert Williams, um, who really, from a defensive standpoint, had changed things when he came back in this series. He played in Game One, in Game Two, missed Game Three. And if you look at just the, his impact defensively throughout the series, because the numbers aren't going to get you there, right? Ten point six points per game, six point six rebounds, averaging ten and six in an Eastern Conference Finals is not going to win you an award. My thought was that. There's enough people that are watching this and understanding what he does defensively that maybe that would get you there for the award. But I think that's all done and good. And by the way, we're talking about like he was in the range of 450 to one or so to win the award just a couple of days ago. Still in that range now. So thought that was worth the long shot performance if he came out, especially in game six and had impact defensively. That was not the case. But I think it's pretty clear. Jalen Brown, if you're betting into this market, if you have not bet into this market yet, it would be Jalen Brown to win Eastern Conference Finals MVP. You're not laying minus 110 um, with Jason Tatum, and if you want to bet Miami in terms of that, you can bet Jimmy Butler at plus 110, or you can just go out and bet Miami in the money line today, which is in the range of about plus 120. There's no use in betting Jimmy Butler at this point right now. You missed the boat completely. I had a friend of the show who texted in and said he's got Jimmy Butler Eastern Conference Finals MVP at 75 to 1, bet a couple of games ago. It's pretty good. It looks pretty good at this point right now, at least from a value standpoint. But again, you're just getting into this market. There's one play, one play only from a number standpoint, and that would be Jalen Brown. Now, from there, let's talk about the other MVP market, NBA Finals MVP. So I think that this is boiled down. It's a pretty, it's pretty simple for me when it comes to Finals MVP. When you look at it, Steph Curry right now, the favorite to win it at plus 110. Jason Tatum coming in behind him at plus 230. Jimmy Butler plus 650. Jalen Brown 10 to 1, as is Clay Thompson. Draymond Green, then you get to like 20 to 1s and, uh, and onward. If you're looking at this, so we have... Two teams that are still alive in the Eastern Conference. We have the Western Conference champion already decided. It's really simple for Golden State. If the Golden State Warriors are winning the NBA Finals, Steph Curry is winning Finals MVP. He has the narrative behind him. He has not won the award yet. Voters will be looking for any excuse to give him this award. All he's got to do is come out and average 20 points on efficient shooting, and the award's going to be his. I don't think there's really any question about it. Can I make the case for an Andrew Wiggins type? I was talking about this with Elliot off the air before he came on. Andrew Wiggins to potentially win this award. I think so. I think there is a case and a path for an Andrew Wiggins to win this. My problem with it is that you as a better are counting on voters who we have a large sample size of now that don't really look at these awards with a lot of nuance and would look at an Andrew Wiggins, specifically in a, a series against Miami. I think he'd be more of a viable option because he's going to draw the main defensive assignment against the Jimmy Butler. That way they have enough nuance to realize what Wiggins is doing on that end of the floor and look past what could potentially be some high point totals uh, for his main assignment, which would be like a Jimmy Butler type, to realize what his workload has been on top of averaging like 16 points per game or whatever it is. Maybe. They did it with Andre Iguodala. But also, I don't think they really had another option outside of Andre Iguodala other than LeBron James, and I don't think the media was going to give the losing team an MVP or finals MVP. Uh, so with the Warriors, to me, it's Steph Curry or pass, unless you're getting better odds on an Andrew Wiggins type than about 20 to 1 or so. For the Miami Heat, it's the same thing. If the Miami Heat are coming back and winning this game in Game 7 and then, of course, winning the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors, it is one Jimmy Butler who is winning that thing. There's no question about that in any way whatsoever. For Boston, though, I think that's where it becomes interesting because there's just more options for Boston. 
we talked about the two guys at the top right now in terms of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. As we can see through the course of six games, those are both two dudes who can average 24 points over the course of a best of seven and be the best player on the court on any given time. So you have those two options. You have a Marcus Smart who not only can score to, to a decent clip, um, but is their leading point guard. So he'll probably lead the team in assists on top of drawing a primary defensive assignment in a Steph Curry. So Marcus Smart comes out, has a pretty efficient clip in terms of scoring, takes all of the load in terms of defending Steph Curry. All of a sudden, the Celtics win the NBA, or excuse me, Celtics win the NBA Finals. You could find a path toward Marcus Smart winning MVP. My overall point here is that when you're looking at the three teams that are still available to win the NBA Finals, there's one option for Miami. There's one option for Golden State. But the market gets pretty, pretty wide open when you look at a Boston Celtics championship and who could win Finals MVP. So that's the way I would approach it at this point right now. I think it's pretty interesting to see how that would play out from a finals MVP standpoint. But right now, uh, when you're looking at it from tonight, man, there's going to be a lot on the line. Not only a berth in the NBA finals, but an Eastern Conference finals MVP trophy, which, of course, will define the legacy of. I can't get through it. I won't define anybody's legacy. I think Will had a good point. Nobody's going to remember who wins these awards. All right. Really quickly, wanted to just touch on this in these last couple of minutes before we get to Danielle, because, you know, I've been checking every day. The the uh, the markets are starting to grow for the NBA draft, and we touched on a couple of these for Adam with Adam Stanko, who joined us in the first hour. He was absolutely fantastic. But over the last couple of days, DraftKings has added odds to be second pick, third pick, fourth pick, and fifth pick in the NBA draft. Now, second pick in the NBA draft, pretty self-explanatory. Chet Holmgren, two dollar favorite, minus two ten. Jabari Smith Jr. two to one. You get the drop off after that. Mancaro six fifty. Then you get into fifty and beyond with Jaden Ivey, Jaden Sharp, and others. That's going to make sense. Both Holmgren and Jabari Smith Jr., they're going to be around $2 for the top two picks. You're not going to make them that high because they're kind of interchangeable. You can see either one going right, flipping those two. Paolo Bancaro seems very, very solidly cemented as the third best player in this draft. And thus, cemented to be the third overall selection for the Houston Rockets. And I also think he kind of matches up well there. Like, I think he's a good positional fit for what the Houston Rockets have. But as we move forward here in some of these markets, I would direct your attention to, like, the fourth overall pick, for example. So at this point right now, when it comes to the fourth overall selection in the NBA draft, that would be one Jaden Ivey, minus 225 to go with the uh, first over, excuse me, the fourth overall pick in the NBA draft. Fourth overall pick, of course, belonging to the Sacramento Kings. Now, you might think that Jaden Ivey is the fourth best guy in this draft. Maybe he is. What I find really interesting about him being priced that high is that this is a Sacramento Kings team that is inundated with guards at this point right now. Now, it doesn't stop them. Didn't stop him from drafting Davion Mitchell last year in the top 10. It's not going to stop him potentially here for wasting a pick on a G. No, I shouldn't say wasting, uh, but taking a pick on another guard. But if you're talking about implied probability and you're telling me that minus 225 in the range of about a 70% chance that Ivy is the guy, I think that's pretty high. So I would, I would direct your eyes to a Keegan Murray type at seven to one. Keegan Murray fits really well with the Sacramento Kings. Again, really low to backcourt in terms of bodies. They really need a lot of wing talent. I think Keegan Murray would fit pretty well besides Harrison Barnes as well and DeMontis Sabonis. It would be really intriguing to see Keegan Murray there. And I would definitely circle him and keep an eye on him as well. But also keep an eye out, and he actually wasn't listed here. A high riser in this draft has been Dyson Daniels, who seems to be really taking on. He won the combine, did really well there, got a lot of good measurables. Just keep an eye on this kid out of the G League. It looks like he is turning a lot of heads and getting a lot of attention. Some reports have him solidly within the top five. So a name to keep an eye out there. All right, we'll come back. Daniel Alvari will join us next. We'll give you one more update on everything going down with the Game 7 line. Danielle's going to give us an update on what's going down in the WNBA, which 
favorite is worth playing at this point in the futures market. We'll tell you next. Hardwood Handicappers. Now here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. VEASAN Summer Specials here for only $39. You're going to get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it. It includes Adam Burke's Daily Major League Baseball Bets Bets. I'm going to have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals, which gets started on Thursday. Andy McNeil breaks down all the action on the ice through the Stanley Cup playoffs, plus lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience that features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vcin.com slash summer. We welcome you back in the last 15 minutes of Hardwood Handicappers. A quick last update on the number. Uh, no real adjustment. Still sitting at three across the board in favor of Boston in this game seven against Miami. Total up. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare to 198 and a half we are 45 minutes away from tip-off with that let's welcome in danielle alvari who um we have negotiated behind the scenes, and she has agreed to appear weekly on Hardwood Handicappers to give us our taste of the WNBA. And uh, Danielle, it is good to talk to you. Uh, how has the day gone for you? It was actually kind of a busy schedule today in the WNBA. Yeah, I had to make bets last night because there was a 9 a.m. game, and fortunately that came home for me on the Atlanta Dream, who just blew out the Phoenix Mercury. I don't know what kind of uh, Twilight Zone we're living in that the Atlanta Dream can blow out the Phoenix Mercury, but that is what I went with, and it ended up being a very comfortable bet because that was basically a coin flip, if you can believe it, for the odds. Um, and then we were obviously in the midst of this Liberty Seattle game, which I know that you were on. I decided to stay away from it for kind of some obvious reasons. We're seeing a little bit of a blowout happen here. No, um, no, I still then, got a shot here. Still got a shot. Oh, well, I was, I'm just going to diss myself next. I had some first quarter bets going in this Sparks Lynx game, and it literally could not have gone worse. It's the worst first quarter the Lynx have ever played that I've ever seen. But they are shooting like 22% right now, so I'm expecting them to bounce back a little bit as this game moves forward. So I did go live on an over 160 and a half on this Sparks Lynx game. I like it. I like it. All right. So I have some big picture questions for you before we get to okay. some of the team-specific stuff. But um, – so the more, and I've talked to you about this, and the more I watch the Las Vegas Aces, who yesterday got a pretty good win uh, on the road, and the more I look over their numbers, 
like is is it is it too hyperbolic to say that what Becky Hammond is doing here with the Aces is kind of revolutionizing what the WNBA to a certain extent? The other night they set a a record for most it was a most made three pointers in a game with eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 night and day nature of their numbers from last year in terms of three point attempts to this year. They, they were a good three point shooting team last year, but they just didn't shoot that many. This year they're shooting more and they're still shooting it really well. They're playing smaller. They're quick. They got four or five out. Like, I just don't know if the WNBA is kind of ready for this team. And you've seen it. Like, their only loss at this point was a Mystics game, which was a terrible scheduling spot for them. I think they got stuck at the airport the night before or something like that. Am I, like, am I getting too caught up in the moment here when I see them at, like, plus 225 and what they're doing statistically and thinking, this team's the best in the WNBA, and they're playing a style that the rest of the WNBA is not really used to yet. No, you're absolutely right. And it's funny because I was talking to a friend about this and I was like, man, the Aces are just in a league of their own this season. And someone said, well, I've heard of the Aces. They're one of the best teams every time in the WNBA in the last couple of years, right? And I said, yeah, but in years past, it's been like Aces, but kind of Seattle Storm and these other teams are in the mix. They're just sitting on their own tier right now. There's nobody even close. And it's, it's I always say it's interesting because what they did in the offseason was a little bit of a head scratcher sometimes. You weren't really seeing what the big picture was going to be for Becky Hammond, but they added the exact right pieces they need to all of a sudden and be this insane perimeter offense that they didn't really have before. They always had Asia Wilson. Obviously, they've had her playing more consistently out of five. That was a decision by Becky. So we haven't seen her points go crazy. But this team basically filled in all the exact holes they needed, then added this incredible coach who comes from the NBA, is going to change this style of play. It's funny because the teams that I used to enjoy last year were the teams that were being a little bit more three-point forward, but they didn't have all the other pieces locked in, right? The Dallas Wings and New York Liberty, they love to shoot the three. They love to push the pace. The Aces sometimes struggled with that perimeter offense. They've completely shored that up. They don't really have a weakness right now if you look at them. So it seems like literally the other day I bet two units on them and I don't usually bet multiple units on a team and this is a team I can do that with. So when you're when I'm talking like I can see plus 225 is the best price I found on them to win the WNBA championship. Would, would that be an investable price at plus 225 cuz some spots are as low as plus 150 right now. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily seeing them fall off. Here is one thing to consider, though, with the Aces, is if you actually look at the stats from their game with the Sky on Saturday, which is the defending champion Mm -hmm. team, uh, the Sky actually could have won that game if a couple more of their threes fell. They obviously didn't have that happen for them, but they did a really good job of containing the Aces. That said, if you look at the bench points for the Sky, they were actually more than double. I think that at one point the aces had almost no points off the bench. So they lack depth. And for that reason, if they have injuries that could literally tumble this team down. So if you want to wait on the off chance that that might happen to this aces team, it's going to be a huge hit if they lose one of their starters. Um, but other than that, I do think that the aces are definitely worth investing in to win a title because they're built to do it. Okay. So then we, sp- we talk about injuries. Uh, if you look at some of the advanced numbers in the WNBA right now, Uh, The Aces are actually second in net rating. The best team in net Mm -hmm. rating would be the Connecticut Sun, who outscored their opponents by 16.9 points per 100 possessions. Bring that up because uh, we get news this week. uh, Jasmine Thomas, torn ACL, season-ending injury. How bad is this for Connecticut? It's just throwing a wrench in their smooth operation, if you will. I always say the Connecticut's one of those teams that has really, really good chemistry. They just are really good at relying on each other. And when John Quell's getting double teamed, they can go other places. Right now, they're really struggling with turnovers. And I think that's a factor from two things. A, they're trying to switch around and see what they're going to do now without Jazz Thomas. And B, and probably actually should be A, more importantly, they're dealing with a lot, a lot of turnovers. So I think trying to get their lineup right and figure out what's going to be best for them now moving forward and locking those things in, they have all the pieces they're an incredible team they're not a team i'm going to fade later in the season but right now they're just really struggling with turnovers 
Okay, I'll be interested because, uh, like, right now it seemed like it was going to be 1A and 1B between Las Vegas and Connecticut, but that injury uh, could change things between them. All right, so now some of these other teams that we're starting to stick out. First off, I want to put um, another – I'll shine another light here. Market is yet to catch up with Washington. They're now 7-2 and two against the spread. The Mystics are mm-hmm. at this point. Big picture-wise, I'm not sure, but, like, we keep riding this, right? Like, this – Lamar, have you, have you seen any real adjustments from a power rating perspective on the Washington Mystics? No, I think that the market's still undervaluing them a little bit. And also it's tough because Elena Deladon, we know what she brings to the table, but we also know that there was going to be games she's going to sit out, trips that she was not going to make. And most recently, that's what we saw versus the Sun. Um, And I just thought that they gave them too many points, honestly, against that Sun team because the Sun and the Aces are the teams that are are highly valued, like we just talked about here. But I would say that the Sun, in terms of the point spread, are a little bit overvalued. And I think the Aces, in terms of the total, tend to be a little bit inflated. So it's hard to bet Aces overs, even though they easily can go over these. It's just it's hard to bet them because they're pretty, pretty high. They're right at the top there. They're almost a little too inflated for me. I'd rather get something in-game on an Aces total. And then for the Sun, similar situation. Their spreads are just a little bit too high. And they're probably going off the metrics, just like we are. We see how good this Sun team is on paper. It doesn't always mean that they're going to close up those 10 point wins. Right. So, uh, as far as the mystics are concerned, I think that when Elena Deladon's out, the book doesn't really know what to do with that yet. And it makes sense, but I think this is only going to make this mystics team stronger. They're having to play without her and see what works without her. Um, Natasha, obviously cloud does her job too, when she's in there and she, and also obviously coach Tibault are not going to be the team that misses playoffs again this year. So I actually think this mystics team is really solid, even without EDD in the mix this year. Okay. I like it. Now, Another game, another team. These are actually two teams. I'll lump them together. We actually did just watch them play one another, too. Um, pretty sustainable at this point that both the Fever and the Sparks are going to be these over teams. Specifically, like the Sparks, uh, they are a terrible defensive team, as are the Indiana Fever. But the Fever play at such a breakneck pace, man. They're so quick. Yeah, Fever and Sparks both in the top four for pace right now, even pace um, per 40 minutes as well. And the Fever, that's kind of what they have going for them right now is their offense. It's, we talk about this as being the fun team, but I think – For me, because they have so many young players, the Fever are a representation of where this league is going. We talk about that with the Aces, too. The Aces lead the league in pace right now, and the Fever are right behind them. So I'm excited to see this game pick up even more, and I'm excited that this is what's coming for the future of the WNBA. We have all these young players coming fresh out of college and immediately making an impact. Emily Engstler just saw there, uh, I think, already breaking records as a rookie. And so the Fever are exploiting what they're doing well which is scoring but like i said the defense needs a little bit more shoring up but i'm excited to see how this fever team advances even into next year all right so no games monday but tuesday we get four games biggest one on the card is going to be connecticut versus las vegas uh what would you think a number a number like that between those two would be aces at home i like i said i think that the books are setting the sun up for failure a little bit in some ways in terms of covering. I do think that the aces are going to be favored here. It'll be interesting to see by how much Um, I think that even though Connecticut is trying to push their pace, that's something that their head coach, Kurt Miller said they were really going to focus on this season was to try to push that they've done it. It's created more turnovers. They're dealing with lineup issues. Um, I think the aces are definitely going to win this game. And I think they'll cover a spread pretty much. I mean, up to five, even I would go with them or higher. So uh, I do think that the aces are by far the better team here and it's not even close. I like it. All right. Danielle Avari, Danielle, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you for the insight. We'll talk next week. Thanks JVT. You got it. All right. Man, I'm telling you, I'm hooked. A lot of this stuff has been great in terms of these betting angles in the WNBA. These total on these Fever games and these Sparks games, watch out for them because they are flying over the total, specifically the Fever who are just running up and down the floor. 
All right, well, with that, we're all done here in Hardwood Handicappers. Again, we're still sitting on three, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I do believe that the Celtics are going to win and move on to the NBA Finals. So remember that when the Heat blow them out by 20. Hopefully, uh, we get a good Finals regardless, though. It's been fun. We will talk to you next week here on Hardwood Handicappers. See you, folks. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare